Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is DJ Martin. I'm the church pastor at Parker Ford Church, and welcome to our brand new midweek teaching series on the character of God. I'm really excited about this series. I've been thinking about doing this for a while since COVID uh, hit in March of 2020. Almost every week since then, I've been doing a midweek teaching for Parker Ford Church, and I've done a number of different series over the last a year plus, almost a year and a half now. Um, I took the month of September 2021 off to kind of formulate my thoughts and build uh, build a new series. And one of the things I'm most excited about this series is it's uh, no longer just me that's going to be speaking into this. I've invited a number of ministry leaders uh, from around our region uh, to also speak into it. Specifically, I've invited uh, ministers, pastors from North Point, Community Church and Daybreak Community Church to partner with me, and we may have some uh, voices from Netzer speaking into this as well. These are three churches that partner closely together, and so I've, uh, even though this is a Parker Ford Church initiative, I wanted to do it in tandem uh, with uh, with some of my closest uh, ministry partners in this region. And so over the next weeks, maybe 20 weeks or so, I've got 20 uh, weeks lined up for us, we're going to be talking about the character of God, his attributes. We're going to be asking the questions, who is God and how does he act in the world? And so when I outlined this teaching series, I did it in two different parts. Part one answers the question, who is God? And we're going to be looking at nine different attributes of God. We'll start that next week. Today's an intro to the series. Today is going to be about thinking well about God. So the first portion of the series, the first 10 weeks, is going to be about who God is. And then the second uh, set of, of, uh, of teachings in part two is going to be about how God acts in the world based on who he is. This whole teaching uh, is being shaped by a quote by A.W. Tozer, in his classic work, The Knowledge of the Holy. If you haven't read it before, it's a wonderful book. Tozer lays out the attributes, some of the, the main attributes, character traits of God as revealed by the scriptures. And right at the beginning of this book, he has this amazing quote. He says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Why? Well, it's incredibly important because how we think about God shapes how we live our lives. If we think God is good and just, then we're going to live our lives um, in the goodness of God, seeking a just life. If we think that God is distant or absent, then we're going to live a specific way. Or if we don't think that God exists at all, then we're going to live a, a, a very different way. So what comes into our minds, how we think about God ultimately give shape to how we live our lives, which is why Tozer says that what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So it's really important for us to think well about God. In the first teaching of this series today, today's teaching is called Thinking About God. We're just going to be talking for a few minutes here about, about why thinking about God and how we think about God is super important. Again, coming back to this quote, Take a moment and, and think about how, how this is true in your life. How do you think about God and how does that shape the way that you live your life? First John 4, 4 says that God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. 
we're called to worship God holistically in our spirits and in our inner beings. Our, our personhood is made and designed by God to worship him. But we're also called to worship with truth, with right knowledge of who he is. Now, truth isn't just a list of doctrinal statements. Uh, truth can't be boiled down to, uh, you know, some sort of like mathematical equation about who God is. Truth is a person. And we get this from John in John chapter 14. This is in the upper room when Jesus shares the Passover meal with his disciples and he washes their feet. And then he, he says, in my father's house are many mansions and many rooms, and I'm going to prepare a place for you and you know the way. And then immediately Thomas, the disciple Thomas says, we have no idea what you're talking about. We don't know the way to where you're going. And Jesus responds to Thomas by saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In other words, if you've been with me, if you know me, then you know the way because I'm the way. If you've been with me, then you know the truth because I'm the truth. If you've been with me, then you're filling, you're being filled with life because I am the life. And so truth is, is more than just a list of statements, truth statements. It's actually the person of Jesus. And so when we're seeking to know God in truth, we're seeking to know the essence of who he is, the essence of his son. Depending on which church uh, type of church background you come from, what, what faith background you have, one of these three things on your screen, and if you're listening to the podcast, I'll say it out loud here, one of these three things is probably emphasized in your background, orthodoxy, orthopraxy, and orthopathy. Now, those are three fancy words that are communicating three different truths about walking with the Lord in spirit and in truth. Orthodoxy, um, ortho being right or correct, and doxy being thinking or knowledge about, um, orthodoxy is right thinking about God. And so to say that Jesus is both fully God and fully man is an orthodox uh, thing to say. It's a, it's a right thinking. It's right thinking about Jesus. To say that Jesus is just man and not God is heterodoxy, or it's out of alignment with right thinking. It's heresy to say that Jesus is just man and not full, also fully God is not orthodox. It's heresy. So orthodox is like the true things of who God is and thinking theologically and doctrinally correctly about God, which is clearly important. It's important that we know uh, both in our spirits and in our minds that Jesus is both fully God and fully man. But it, we're called to live more than just a life of knowing the right information. We can have all the right information and be a completely wicked person who lives a life that's destructive and apart from God's will. We're also called to live in obedience. And this is where orthopraxy speaks in. Orthopraxy is right living or right action. Praxy or praxis, how we act. And so this is why the apostle James writes in his letter that faith without works is dead. You can, you can speak a good game. You can know all the answers, but unless you actually live it out, it doesn't mean anything. So yes, orthodoxy, knowing the truth is really important, but living the truth is equally important. And these two things have to overlap. Jesus says, if there's a fruit tree that doesn't bear fruit, it's going to be chopped down and thrown into the fire. We have to bear fruit in keeping with the way that God designed things to be. 
to, to obey is better than sacrifice. The scriptures speak to this over and over again. So it's important how we think. It's important how we act. It's also important how we feel and, and how our heart is, our, our soul, our spirit is, our inner person towards God, which is where this third uh, line comes in, orthopathy. And you can see pathy in there, which is related to sympathy or empathy, where you're feeling with someone or you're feeling what they're feeling as in empathy. Orthopathy is right feeling. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Or as it says in Proverbs 4, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Or why did God choose David uh, as the anointed king? Because he was a man after his own heart. God is seeking people who worship him with all his heart. And so it matters that we think well about God. It matters that we act according to his word in obedience, faith with works, and it matters how we feel. Again, based on our faith backgrounds, based on the church that we grew up in, probably one of these was emphasized. Um, maybe over against the others, but it's only the three coming together um, where we have right thinking, right living, and right feeling uh, towards God and others that we get the abundance of life. And so I love Venn diagrams because they show how overlap, uh, overlapping principles can work together. So right in the middle, the triangle in the middle of these three circles, orthodoxy, orthopraxy, and orthopathy, that's where we find find what I would label as an abundant life or abiding in Jesus. He says, abide in me and I'll abide in you. That has to do with us abiding in the way that we think, thinking about him well. That has to do with us, you know, living his life, do as I've done. Uh, you know, Jesus, we might say to our children, do as I say, not as I do. Uh, Jesus can is the only one who can truly say, do as I say and as I do. So orthopraxy and then how Jesus felt towards the Father and felt towards others, we're to feel towards him, even as he uh, loves us. We love because he first loves us. And so it's in these three uh, places of overlap that we find life and life abundant or the abiding life in Jesus. All this has to do with theology and thinking well. Theology is thinking about God. Um, it's how we think about God. You are a theologian. You might not feel like a theologian. You might be um, uneducated uh, theologian, just like I am in some ways. Um, but if you have thoughts about God, then you're doing the work of theology. So let's think well. I have a whole bunch of uh, systematic theology books in my office from various different perspectives. Um, one of the ones that's been the most fruitful for me to engage with is uh, Millard Erickson's Christian Theology. I find it to be incredibly fair and generous in the way that he treats uh, different theological traditions, and, and uh, he does a good job of bringing together different streams of the Christian faith um, before he speaks uh, what his thoughts are. And so right at the beginning of his systematic theology, uh, Erickson defines theology. He says, theology is the discipline that strives to give a coherent statement of the doctrines of the Christian faith based primarily on the scriptures, placed in the context of culture in general, worded in contemporary idiom and related to issues of life. Okay, that was a mouthful, but there's five basic elements that he includes in what theology is. We're thinking about God. Number one, theology is biblical. Uh, good theology about God is biblical. It goes to the Bible and listens to what the scriptures have to say about who God is. In our culture, it's pretty popular to say 
something along the lines of I'm cool with Jesus, but I have major issues with the Bible and with the church. And while that's understandable because, uh, because there's been lots of misuse of scripture uh, over the years and because the church is flawed and broken and filled with flawed and broken people and leaders, um, it's actually impossible because what we know about Jesus comes exclusively from the four uh, canonical gospels, the four gospels in the Bible. Uh, this is this is our primary source. This is our only primary source for who Jesus is and the life he lived. Now there's apocryphal uh, scriptures that speak about Jesus. That's apocryphal meaning outside of the canon of, of the Bible. Like you probably have heard of the gospel of Thomas, which is, you know, been written about in a lot of different uh, pop culture ways in recent years. But the problem with that is it was written way after Jesus lived um, and certainly is not a reliable source for Jesus's actual life, who Jesus actually was. Uh, to, to understand who Jesus was, we have to go to the Bible. And so theology is at its core biblical. Secondly, uh, theology is systematic. It doesn't just listen to the gospels. That is uh, Erickson points out it draws from the entire Bible, and so good theology goes to Genesis 1, um, and good theology goes to John 1, and sees how they speak together about who God is. Uh, thirdly, theology also relates to the issues of general culture and learning. Uh, theology is not this separate discipline that's off on its own in some weird spiritual universe. Theology actually speaks to the issues of general culture. And so when we when we watch a movie, um, people are, whether or not they know it, people are expressing their thoughts about who God is and asking, you know, these sort of meta questions about the purpose and the meaning of life. And so um, when we're studying the cosmos and science and the universe and the human body and the genome and, and cells, all of this, we can think theologically about these things. Number four, theology must also be contemporary. Theology treats timeless issues. It must, otherwise, it, otherwise it's not good theology. However, um, it must make some sense in the context of present time, which is why we read in Leviticus about not being allowed to eat shellfish or about freckles being something that's uh, shameful. And it, we're, it's just a head scratcher because it has that that's not speaking to our culture uh, today. Theology that's speaking about who God is um, has a timeless, uh, timeless characteristic uh, to it. It makes it helps us make sense of our present time, just like it did you know, 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago. And fifthly, theology is to be practical. Um, it has applicational, major applicational um, outcomes as we think about God. Theology relates to living rather than merely to belief. So when you look at this definition of theology and thinking well about God in these five different categories, that it's biblical, it's systematic, it relates to general culture, uh, it's contemporary, and it's practical, we can see once again these three overlapping circles that, that theology, thinking well about God, speaks to orthodoxy, right thinking, uh, orthopraxy, right living and action, and orthopathy, right feeling towards God. How we think about God, what comes into our mind, shapes all of these things. It shapes how we think, how we act, and how we feel. And so as we wrap up today's uh, teaching, I want to leave you with a little bit of homework. I want you to make a list. What comes into your mind when you think about God? Take that, take that uh, challenge from Tozer to heart. 
and make a list of God's attributes, 10, the first 10 that come to mind, just write it on paper, or type it up on your computer, make a list of 10 attributes. What are the first 10 attributes of God that come to mind? And then look at those attributes, those character traits of God and ask the question, how does my conception of God shape the way that I think orthodoxy, act orthopraxy and feel orthopathy towards God? and others. Again, make a list, first 10 attributes of God that you think of, and then see how that's giving shape to your life and ask yourself a critical question. My understanding of who God is, is shaping my life in what ways. In the following weeks, we're going to actually dive into specific character traits and attributes of God. I hope that you'll join us for that journey. I'll be, I'll be teaching the first several weeks, and then we'll be bringing in various voices uh, from, uh, from other churches and other ministries, which I'm excited about. So stick with us through the series. Thanks for joining us today. Be blessed. Go with God.